Yeah, no, I'm excited to be on for the first hour of the show and it's really excited uh, about the special guests that we're going to have on later tonight. Uh, yeah, no, definitely uh, trade seems to be a little bit more official than, or at least publicly, uh, than what we had talked about on Wednesday. Uh, still hasn't been finalized as far as been announced by the Dodgers and the Rays, but this seems to be the deal that is going down. Tyler Glass now. Manuel Margot going to the Los Angeles Dodgers in exchange for Ryan Pepio and Johnny Luluka. Certainly a lot to talk about, a lot of opinions that you can have one way or another as we describe some of them, uh, some of the thoughts that we had on Wednesday during that show. Uh, but certainly a lot to talk about tonight. Excited to interact with the crowd and the audience. And then, uh, yeah. as you mentioned, at 7 o'clock Pacific, having a very special guest tonight. Yeah, no doubt about that. Again, that's going to be Clint Pasillas at 7 o'clock Pacific. He's going to come on and talk all about the trade. We already have a wonderful lobby headed our way. So, hey, if my voice sounds a little bit rough, the show must go on, right? I'm, I'm, I'm fighting one for the team here. Plus, I'm still so pumped about it. Do, do you have me now? I think, yeah, uh, actually, yeah, you're going to have to deal with it saying Clint Pasillas. Actually, let me, you're not going to have to deal with that. <laughs> I'm making all sorts of blunders tonight. I just got home. I've been officiating all night. Let's get to Austin right here. I'm glad somebody in the lobby said that. So there's Austin right there. I think that that should switch over here in just a second. So yeah, I had the Clint. So I got all the times wrong. I was going to have Clint first and then, and then I was going to have Austin come in after that. So I had Clint up first and then I got the time wrong. So then Austin jumped on real fast. And, and so now I, I didn't flip that over. So all sorts of blunders tonight. Didn't I guess my audio muted too? So <laughs> hey, we're gonna deal with it. We, we I think we have it all fixed now, and we are ready to go. So okay, the pluses to the trade: you get Tyler Glass now, and then you signed him to a five-year extension. Okay, money's not an issue. That's obviously an advantage. You got the number one starter. That is the big part of this trade. That is the positive. To me, total, that's the total positive of it. Here's the negative of it. Anytime you do these, you got to weigh positive and negative, right? Okay, so you didn't actually add depth to your pitching staff. So the three issues, in my opinion, that you had coming into this offseason, see if you guys agree with me or not. And I'm just going to be real with you. Here's my opinion. We can, we can cuss and discuss about this. I felt like you needed a number one starter. Check that. I felt like you needed to add pitching depth and then you needed to figure out what your path is going to be for the 10 different 25-year-olds or older, Emma Sheehan's 24, Ben Kasparis is 24, but everybody else is either 25 or 26 when you're talking. Nick Frosso, Landon Knack, Gavin Stone, Michael Grove, Kyle Hurt, Ben Kasparis, Emmett Sheehan, all these guys. The, the ten, I, I counted them the other day. There was 10 of them that are 20. Two of them are 24, but the rest of them are 25 and 26. You needed to figure out what your path and how you were going to utilize those guys and make the most effectiveness of their usage. So right now, they're 25 years old. They're going to be at their peak value. They're going to start losing value after, you know, say age 26, 27. So in my opinion, right now is the time to unload these guys. If you traded half of them, Austin, Still, even half of them you had left would still be blocked, right? Okay, so I felt like you needed a starting pitcher. I felt like you needed to add pitching depth. 
I felt like you needed to figure out what your plan is with all your elite prospect arms, the, the several of them that are aging and getting ready to age out of value. And then I felt like you needed to fix your outfield. Your outfield right now is Jason Hayward, James Outman, Chris Taylor. So I don't feel like you, you added pitching depth. I don't feel like that I, I don't feel like at all you, you solved the problem of what to do with your elite pitching prospect arms. And then uh, I don't feel like you fixed your outfield. The one yeah, thing you did fix was the starting pitcher. So yeah, I say that to say yeah. there has to be more. This can't be the end of it. There has to be more. The Dodgers need to go out and dump a whole bunch of these guys that are blocked and go get an outfielder. Yeah, I think there certainly is a lot of moves to be had for the Los Angeles Dodgers moving forward. Uh, as you alluded to, let's go ahead and just start off with the positives. And the positive and the reason why the Dodgers went ahead and made this trade is because they are getting an elite level starting pitcher yeah. in Tyler Glass. They definitely now, Tyler Glass now is the he's somebody that we've been talking about even dating back to the trade deadline talks as far as an arm that the Dodgers could potentially be targeting. Not that we expected them to target Tyler Glass now necessarily through trade uh, during the season, but after the season, this has always been a guy that we've talked about because he has elite level stuff. Look, if you look at a lot of some of the more advanced numbers that are like FIP, XFIP, Sierra, they are very consistent as far as the pitcher that Tyler Glass now yes. is as far as the upside of his stuff. And if you just watch him pitch, he has incredible stuff that if the Dodgers are able to utilize that in the postseason, they could probably unlock something in him and he can be that number one type starter. Mm -hmm. Granted, he has not had success in the past during the postseason, Dodgers probably weighed the sample size of the regular season a little bit over the postseason, especially because a large part of that postseason came during the 2020 postseason when there is no fans in the audience. All that being said, Tyler Glass now is a number one type starting pitcher. I know he get, has been injury prone. I know he's probably not going to be reliable for a lot of innings. However, the Dodgers right now, They've been able to find ways to get to the postseason. So I'm not necessarily worried about the innings during the regular season. I'm worried about the innings during the postseason. And if the Dodgers believe that Tyler Glass now is going mm -hmm. to be the best pitcher in the postseason, to be that number one type starter in the postseason, then this is the type of arm, or at least one of the type of arms that you're going to have to get. Now, going back to you, some of your other points, there are yeah. a little bit of downside fair? to this. There is it, there is some downside to this because in order to get a player of this quality, you're going to have to give up some quality too. And one other thing that I'll say, uh, the make, thing that makes this trade a little bit easier is the extension that Tyler Glass now is expected to sign with the Los Angeles Dodgers. I believe in addition to this year, It'll be four years, $110 million yeah. on top of that. So you will be getting some length. So the concern I think we talked about is what if this guy, you trade for him, you're one year, and then you're done. Whereas Ryan Pepio would provide you with an additional five or six years. 
that gets at least a little bit alleviated mm-hmm. with the contract. The extension. pitching part of it makes sense. You can't yes. argue glass now for Pepio. Pepio has been great. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I love Pepio. I'm yes. super pumped that he's going to go get a tremendous runway to Tampa Bay. You can't argue the pitching part. The pitching part is what the Dodgers felt like they had to get out of this. Yes. Yeah, no, it's certainly that. And, yeah, Ryan Pepio, he's, he hopefully will have the opportunity to start in a playoff game for the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah. They are an organization that has found ways recently to get to the postseason consistently with far less payroll than almost anybody else. They're going to find ways to utilize his changeup, utilize his pitch mix. He's going to have a lot of success over there. Tyler Glass now in this moment and where the Dodgers are, where they need to capitalize on these first couple of years, especially because Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Shohei Otani are not getting any younger. You have to capitalize on these first couple of years. That's, I think, the argument for Tyler Glass now is his game at this moment is and can be to a degree where Ryan Pepio could work his way up there, but he's not quite there to this moment. There might be some concerns if you're concerned about his FIP and XFIP. Pitching side, I think it makes sense. The questions I think both you and I have have to deal with the outfield for outfield trade. I think this might have to do with the fact that the Rays are giving up their ace, so the Dodgers might have to give up the more valuable piece because I think it is very hard to Mm -hmm. argue with the upside and with the level of play that Johnny DeLuca has in comparison to a Manuel Margot, especially when you take the financials into account. I think that's why Tampa Bay wanted to do this because they wanted to get rid of the the Manuel Margot $10 million contract for this upcoming season, replace him with somebody prob- who could be as, if not more productive and probably will be more productive this upcoming season in Johnny DeLuca at a far discounted rate. So for the Tampa Bay side, talking about the outfield for outfield, that's it seems to be a little bit of a better play. But with the Dodgers, with you having Mookie Betts, Shohei Otani, Freddie Freeman, and Will Smith, and Max Muncy, this lineup is deep. You won't necessarily be relying on Manuel Margot to help carry your offense. Certainly does sting. especially top-heavy again to me, though. Without a doubt, if you don't get in a Rosarine in the outfield, to me it stays top-heavy. Yeah, I and, think you and have Otani, Betts, Freeman. Sometimes Muncy hits, sometimes he doesn't. Will Smith was very erratic last year, so when Will Smith and 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 if they have the same type of years they had last year, you're going to be back to being top heavy. If you don't go get in a Rosarina type outfielder, my point, yeah. Austin, was even if you had Johnny Deluca, I wanted Deluca to, to be the platoon guy with Jason Hayward. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem at all with Manuel Margot being a platoon guy with Jason Hayward. I think that would be a great situation. My point is, you still have to go get another outfielder. And it's the best of all worlds because right now you have all the prospect capital that you need to go get that left fielder, platoon Margot and Hayward and right field. Go dump whoever you have to go dump. The guys that need all that runway, all those 10 pitchers that don't have a path to the major leagues right now, go dump them. Go get an outfielder, sign Yamamoto to add the depth to your pitching staff. Boom. That's it. You have absolutely, to me right now, 
to me right now, if you left it as it is, you have an outfield of Chris Taylor in left, James Altman in center, Jason Hayward in right, Muncie, who's not a good defensive third baseman and very up and down defensively, then two middle infielders that have not even really played those middle infield positions at the major league level very much. So for all this money and for all this gold that you've struck, look at all these variables that you're leaving on the table. Where And then if you don't go get a Yamamoto, now you have now you have Glass now who maybe he's healthy, maybe he's not. Now you don't have a rock-solid Ryan Pepio at the back of that. Now you have you have Glass now. You have a wild card in Bueller coming off of his Tommy John, his second Tommy John. You have Bobby Miller, who still is a young pitcher. You don't know what kind of ups and downs he's going to have. Emmett Sheehan and then what? I mean, so if you don't go get another starting pitcher, like at the top of your rotation here, and you don't go get an outfielder, that really leaves way too many question marks for what for what Shohei Otani they they have built for the situation that Shohei Otani gave you. You've left too many question marks out there, in my opinion. Yeah, and certainly right now, as the roster is constructed, I think there is still a lot of work to be had, which, looking at the date right now, it is December 15th. The Dodgers still have time to make moves during this offseason. The deadline for opening day or for the start of the playoffs isn't December 15th, 2023. So the Dodgers still have opportunities to make moves, and we know that they are actively looking to add to this roster including at the starting pitching i know they are still in trying to get a yoshinobu uh, yamamoto uh as well to try to help front line that starting pitching but you mentioned mentioned there are a lot of questions there are a lot of variables to this team one of which has to do with the health of the starting pitching Uh, You talked about it with Tyler Glass now having a history of being a little bit more or having just some issues with his arm in the past. You talk about it, Walker Buehler coming back. You don't necessarily know how he's going to react with that. And so I think that could be the argument, at least from the organization side of the Los Angeles Dodgers to keep some of these arms that you have that right now might not have a clear path as far as every single day being a starting pitching, but being able to have a lot of these guys have like a Nick Frasso, have an Emmett Sheehan, have all of these guys, the starting pitching depth that you have in the minor leagues to be able to help supplement that. We know that starting teams go through 10, 11, 12 starting pitchers throughout the year. Having the depth that the, the Dodgers, Dodgers have, have. I don't know. Do other, the, the do other teams have right now? The Dodgers have gone through that many. Do other teams? Yes. That okay. is something that okay. other teams go through as well, just with the toll that the season has. And it's a catchphrase. You can never have enough pitching, uh, never have enough starting pitching. I think that is a philosophy as much as that might not be great for the players, especially if they are bouncing back and forth between AAA and the major leagues, which I think you and I both despise a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, it is something that organizational-wise is something that you want to have 
in order to have that depth, and especially with the level of talent that you have, you know there's going to be some injuries. So a guy like a Gavin Stone can come up, and perhaps he figures something out in the big leagues and forces his way to prove himself. I just want that runway to be longer than just a couple of outings. Mm -hmm. So then it's not, hey, you've got five innings. Go, don't go give up a run and strike out every single batter. Otherwise, we're sending you down to AAA. I'd rather see them get a little bit more of a run time. But with the injury-prone nature of a lot of these pitchers, perhaps you want to keep at least a little bit of the depth. You have a lot of depth uh, at towards the upper end of the minor leagues. If you keep them down in the minor leagues, the value that they have for the organization is going to start to decrease. So yes. I think you have a little bit of wiggle room. You can move a couple of arms if you want to try to get a left fielder. But you yes. can't get rid of all of it just because the toll of the season is going to have that. So you can't just have six starting pitchers going into this season and expect to get through the entire season, especially with the arms that the Dodgers have. Certainly a lot of variables, certainly a lot of moves, and they could sign guys to minor league deals, sign other starting pitchers if they wanted to move some of the guys from the minor leagues as well. A lot of moving variables right now. Nick Frasso. Michael Grove, Kyle Hurt, Landon Knack, okay, uh, Emmett Sheehan, Gavin Stone, uh, and Ben Kasparius, and then who else am I? Who else am I missing? And then you obviously have Emmett Sheehan, Bobby Miller, and then you had Ryan Pepio. That was the ten. Okay, so what is the pat? So let me ask you this: Yeah, how, how better could you utilize right now any of those guys, Landon Knack? Ben Kasparius, who, by the way, has been very impressive. Ben Kasparius, to end this season at AA, he was averaging over 95 miles an hour with his fastball. And his fastball has always been the problem, meaning it hasn't been his best yeah. pitch metrically. It's the off-speed that's always been great. And the thing about Ben Kasparius, people are going to look up his stats and go, well, don't, because he, I mean, he was changing his mix. He was trying to figure out different sequences. He was doing it from a jump to high A to double A, which is the, which is ask the players. They'll tell you that's the toughest jump from high A to double A. No doubt about that. Yeah. They all say that. So he was trying trying to do that against professional hitters. Was kind of up and down with it. Was really good once in in the Arizona Fall League, and then not good because he was doing this and that. Okay, Ben Kasparius is as good right now as he's ever been when the ball is coming out of his hand. He hit ninety eight miles an hour. He averaged 95 miles an hour with his fastball at the end of, of the season. Like I said, his fastball is not even close to his best pitch metrically. So that's a guy that, that, that I'm telling you, that guy has value. I, I know Dave Holliday. I sit next to him. He's, he's, he's a scout for the Phillies, and, and I've sat next to him with Ben Kasparias pitching, and I know that guy. So kind of what I'm saying is, how do you get better value out of these guys? Are you going to get better value out of these guys popping them in every now and then as depth? Or are you going to get better value out of them sending them off to go get the outfielder you need? Yeah, Which way is going that, to give the Dodgers more value in return? Yeah, so that is a really good question and something that the Dodgers are going to have to decide uh, because they, if you just keep all of these guys down in the minor leagues, 
for when they're getting older, when they're getting to 25, 26, they are going to start lose a lot of the value that yes. they have for an organization. So that is something very much to keep in mind, especially when you have other holes that fill. You also have to weigh that with the necessity to have that pitching depth. So I think it is a balance between a need for pitching depth the, and the knowledge that you these guys are incredibly valuable. They would be good pitchers in the major leagues for mm-hmm. any organization as well. So a lot of teams are going to covet a lot of these arms. I think that is when you're going to have to look internally, try to figure out, okay, how many starting pitchers do teams typically go through and how many guys do you need through the season? Okay, what is the best way to go ahead and utilize that, especially knowing that a lot of pitchers that we have on our roster are fairly injury prone. And then you also have to weigh that with what is best for the individual player as well as far as their development. I don't think Mm -hmm. it's fair for all of these guys to just sit in AAA Oklahoma City and not be challenged, not be really able to grow a whole lot. We saw that with Michael Bush Mm -hmm. this past season as far as him just being continuing to show that he is capable well above and beyond at the AAA level, but did not get consistent at bats at the major league level. I don't want that for these starting pitchers, but I also understand the necessity as an organization to have pitching depth. So the question is, how much of that pitching depth do you go out and get some guys to minor league deals so that you can supplement that while also so you can have depth while yeah. also allowing a lot of these prospects to be able to go and trade and Great fill point. some of the needs at the major league roster. Exactly. There are different moves that you can have. You can have a lot of these young talented totally arms. And especially with the needs that this team has, with the need to get hopefully a Yamamoto, with the need to hopefully get a left fielder, although I guess we can talk about whether we think a Michael Bush or Miguel Vargas could potentially fill in that role as well. Uh, There are different needs that you could have, in which case you would need to open up spots on this roster. I think that's when you could utilize some of these prospects inside of a trade, not getting rid of all of your pitching depth that you might need, but being able to fill in some of the holes. So it's a balance between the attrition that this season is going to have for the pitching, while also capitalizing on the extreme value because the Dodgers I've said this in the past they're sitting on a gold mine yes. in the minor league yes. system the question is when do which do they capitalize on that gold mine in order to get some return to help with these next couple of seasons to they've done great so far the best yes and they they can get a but they can either call up a lot of these guys or trade them in order to get major league pieces to help refine a lot of their roster. They are going to have to make these decisions at some point. Still some time in the offseason, though. Here's my problem with Jesus Lazardo. Now, it's on the surface, you go, well, the Dodgers need a lefty. He's controllable. He's good. That kind of thing. Here's the problem, though. Okay, because he's controllable, he's going to take a load to get, right? And mm-hmm. what good outfielders... Are there on the free agent market right now, Austin? I mean, you're talking about the guys that like the Guriel Jr. He'd be a good pickup. Uh, he'd be nice. He'd be he'd be nice. Um, you're talking about 
Oh man, I'd have to go back and look. There, there's not a ton of yeah, right. prominent arms, uh, outfielders, I should say, out there. There are some nice pieces that could be helpful for the team, but as far as that star power, there's not necessarily a ton out there, and the market hasn't really yep. been moving with the outfielders yet. That's my point. So, so there are there is a market for starting pitchers and elite starting pitchers. There's one out there right now. You want right Yamamoto, mm -hmm. right? Okay. Mm -hmm. Blake Snell, if you wanted him, right? Okay. Correct? Yeah. All right. So the problem is if you go and you use all of your prospects to go get Lazardo, right? Now, how do you get an outfielder? Because you need it, you need it, you need another top of the line starting pitcher to replace Ryan Pepio, a two or three type guy. Pepio is probably a, a two ish three guy. Say what you want, but he's outperformed Bobby Miller at every level that he's been. Yeah. A ball, double A, triple A, major leagues. He's outperformed Bobby Miller. So, and Bobby Miller, does he have a higher ceiling? Yes, I mean, because he throws harder. Dodgers fans and Dodgers in general, they like the high riding four seams. They like the high velo. They like all the metrics. Here's the deal, though, about major leagues. And I talk to Ben Kasparis about this. I talk to guys all the time. That's great. Okay. But here's why batting average with balls in play is so important. Because the biggest difference in jump from level to level for pitchers, Austin, is that with each level that you jump, hitters become way more disciplined, right? So you can have all the 115 miles an hour, all the 39 inches of break to your slider and curveball and change up and all. Ryan Pepio learned this, right? Mm -hmm. But if it's, in the, if it's not in the strike zone, by about the second time you go out and pitch, Guess what major league hitters aren't doing anymore? They're not swinging at it, right? So yeah. really where the, the, the best pitchers end up being, this is where Dodgers fans get tricked here, is because they say, well, if you just look at his raw stuff, I don't disagree with that. But if you actually look at the stuff that Ryan Pepio puts in the strike zone, it's better than most pitchers at the major league level, meaning his stuff that is actually thrown in the strike zone is harder to hit than most major league pitchers. That's a fact. I mean, it's been that way ever since that he's been. So, does he throw 100? No. The, you know, his changeup is metrically very good. But, like I said, the strikes that he does, that's where Bobby Miller, to me, that's where Ryan Pepio is better than Bobby Miller right now. Yes, Bobby Miller does have higher ceiling type stuff, but his stuff in the strike zone right now is straighter than Ryan Pepio's. It's 98 miles an hour or whatever. Okay, and so I think Bobby Miller's stuff in the strike zone actually is more hittable right now than Ryan Pepio's. So I just say that to say, you know, when losing Ryan Pepio, I only say that to say, I'm glad the Dodgers got Tyler Glass now. I'm really glad Pepio's going to get to go to the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. I'm, I'm not saying any of that. What I am saying is you need to replace Pepio, right, with another pitcher like Yamamoto who's going to be a two-ish slash three guys that makes sense so you don't have enough prospect capital to go out and trade for a two number two pitcher and a all-star type outfielder you don't have enough prospect capital to do that right so one of them has to be a free you agent might, huh say it again i, I said you, i said you, if you want to unload a lot of the prospects you might but go ahead so one of them in my opinion needs to be a free agent and then one of them needs to be a trade target and to me, the better pitchers are in the free agency market, and then 
the better outfielders are the ones you would have to trade for. So that's what makes it difficult to go get Lazardo. That was yeah, a whole and, that was a hell of a long big old spiel to talk about why it'd be hard to get Lazardo. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I think we saw with the deal that we that uh, was done with Tyler Glass now that the price for starting pitching is extremely high mm-hmm. right now, especially with the trade market. Tyler Glass now phenomenal pitcher. For Ryan Pepio and Johnny DeLuca, for a lot of teams, that is an extremely high price to pay. It's made a little bit easier by the fact that Tyler Glass now signed the extension, and so you're not just getting him for one season, which is what the trade initially was going to go down for, but with the extension, that makes it a little bit easier. With Jesus Lazardo, with the staff that it is constructed, it is in the starting pitching side, as pointed out quite a bit, pretty right-handed heavy you don't really have that lefty you might have Mm -hmm. a Clayton Kershaw but he won't be coming back until mid-summer at the very earliest and there's no indication right now whether he's going to resign with the Dodgers or not so I think it makes total sense that you would look out for a guy like Jesus Lazardo, especially because the past two seasons he's been very effective for the Miami Marlins uh, somebody who has put up great numbers, has struck out a fair decent amount, hasn't given up a ton of walks. So I get the idea of a Jesus Lazardo. The issue with that is it's going to cost a lot. And perhaps the Dodgers are at this point going all in as far as we want to make sure that we are capitalizing on our team during the next three to four seasons while Mookie Betts Freddie Freeman and Shohei Otani are in the same team in the same lineup because of the flexibility that the Dodgers have been given because of Shohei Otani's contract structure. So I think with that, I think it makes total sense. And I actually uh, would push back a little bit. I think you have some wiggle room to get some views, get some package together for a Jesus Lazardo. With the Marlins, they have been in an organization that has struggled as far as acquiring offensive pieces. And I think, especially with this talk of wanting to acquire a left fielder. Mm-hmm. Well, if you acquire a left fielder, that is going to push Michael Bush and Miguel Vargas off of this roster. You're saying to them, you're going back to AAA. That is not what I want for Michael Bush. That is not what I want for Miguel Vargas. Vargas, I think, is somebody who can make the adjustments, try to find a way to get his way back, and can be successful. Or they're in the trade package. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's exactly the point that I'm trying to make with this. You have guys on the roster who need to have big league experience, big league run time. Perhaps there is some sort of deal that you could entice the Marlins where you are using a guy like a Michael Bush, package him with one of the catchers that you have in the organization, and then maybe you give up one of the pitching prospects that you have to where that could potentially entice the Marlins, at least build a foundation to where you can start to go about that, especially if you're looking to add a left fielder, perhaps you look in the free agent market where it's not the most exciting mm-hmm. outfielder in the world. It's not a Randy or Rosarena, but mm-hmm. you're adding depth to this rotation. And then maybe you can go ahead and get a Yamamoto and just build a juggernaut yeah. of a rotation as well. I think there is a potential avenue 
to go after a Jesus Lazardo, especially if you go in the free agent market for an outfielder. And it also comes down to the conversation as far as are you actually going to utilize Michael Bush, Miguel Vargas during the season, or are you going to look to try to get another outfielder? Yeah. So are you better off with Yamamoto and a Rosarina or that type of awesome outfielder that you go make a run with with all your prospect capital? Or are you better with Lazardo and Guriel, somebody like that? Yeah, I, th- I think the question with this, is, I think another answer, because of Jesus Lazardo right now, I believe he's still under club control, at least for yeah. another two three years. years, three years, something like that. Yeah. And so he's not going to be the most 27 when he's a free agent in the world. Uh, yeah, so you're going to have him for a little bit more of club control fitting right into this window. I think you could go with a Lazardo. I think you could still try to go after a Yamamoto as much as these deals kind of sound a little bit crazy. I think you could potentially go after both of them hmm. and then go for, as was mentioned in the comment, maybe like a Tommy Pham, maybe like a Guriel or a Teoscar or somebody like that in the outfield who might not be the flashiest name as far as offensively, but with what you're having as far as the pitching, if you add Lizardo and you add Yamamoto, again, we're talking hypothetical. We're talking a little bit crazy right now. You would have <laughs> Yamamoto. You would have Tyler Glass now. You would have Jesus Lizardo. Mm-hmm. You would have Walker Buehler. You would have Bobby Miller. Before you even get into the young, talented arms, yeah. which I get it, might push back a little bit of their window, but you can utilize some of those guys early in the season and then perhaps trade them once you get to the trade deadline and once you identify areas of need for your team as well. That could be an avenue that I could see the Dodgers going after. There's a question here about Imanaga, the lefty from Japan. Hey, Mike. If you're, I think I think I saw Mike up here. He said good evening earlier, Mike. If you could leave a comment about what your thoughts are on Imanaga, I know. If you go to, matter of fact, I'm going to go to Dodgers Daily right now, and Mike put up a wonderful article the other day on, um, on Roki Sasaki, and how Roki Sasaki has actually hit 102 miles an hour. Here is the, here actually is the right here. Let me. Give me just a second here, guys. This isn't like great audio yet, but there we go. Okay, so there is the link to Mike's article on Roki Sasaki. So I think he's a potential guy next year. But Mike, if you could, so what I say, Mike is all over these international guys. He he knows all about their stats and everything they've done. So Mike is the guy to ask here about Imanaga. So Mike, if you would, leave some comments about him and we'll get into talk about him. But do you have any thoughts on Imanaga? Yeah, I, I think with Imanaga, he's obviously the left-handed pitcher, free agent out of Japan. Uh, kind of the step down or some of the options that a lot of teams who might come in second place in the Yamamoto sweepstakes might turn to if they are looking for some sort of starting pitching help. Uh, with Imanaga, I'm not too terribly familiar as far as his pitch mix with a lot of his stuff, but it's sounding like he might be getting a deal that is kind of in the five-year range, yep. maybe close to that 15 to $20 million ish per year. Uh, you're talking about a very valuable pitcher coming over from Japan, though, somebody who might ha- not have the upside, might not have the pedigree, of a Yamamoto, but 
somebody that could still play in the big leagues. I think the biggest issue with an Imanaga from some of the reports that I've seen have been a little bit of the home run ball yeah. uh, with him. So that might be something that might be a little bit concerning. But if you're looking for a left-handed starting pitch here yeah. on this market, he might be the guy to turn to, especially if you're not willing to make some sort of trade for a Jesus Lazardo or somebody of that type. Yep. No doubt about that. So let me kind of recap. Okay, I think I think it's just fantastic. The Dodgers got Tyler Glass now. I I love Margot and Hayward as a platoon in right field. I think that's perfectly fine. Would you agree with that, Austin? Those two statements. Yeah, I, I think I'm. I mean, Mario is going to feel in the shoes that Johnny DeLuca Correct. was going to have. He doesn't, I think, have the ceiling that DeLuca has, but I think we know the type of player that he is going to be this upcoming season. So I love the fact you get glass now. I think the Dodgers have enough depth to spread his his usage out to to get a full season out of him and then prepare him to be as healthy as possible. When the playoffs start, I think that that avenue is there for him. So I love the fact you got glass now. I love the fact that Pepio and DeLuca are going to Tampa Bay, a really good organization, and they're going to have a lot of runway to have the major league career that they deserve, man. And and yeah. to to you know when you hear Dodgers fans talk about Pepio, he just doesn't get the the respect that he deserves. It's it's amazing to me. So he's going to get the chance to go and prove that right or wrong, mm-hmm. one way or the other, and that's all a player can ask. So I'm super pumped about that. That's all great. I'm really excited about the the platoon in right field with Margot and Hayward. Okay, now I think the Dodgers need to get Yamamoto, and then I just wish they would have went go get Margot and a Rosarina and and dump four or five of those big time prospects that don't have a path to major leagues right now, or whoever that outfielder is that you want to go get in the trade market. That's what yeah. I think the Dodgers have left is Yamamoto, and then a not a, not just a not just a dude. Okay, I mean you can put Kike Hernandez out there if you want. I'm talking about I'm talking about an All Star type dude. You're trying to put together the All Star team that that if you're not a Dave Roberts fan, let me put you this way: that even the biggest critics of Dave Roberts would say even he can't screw up. Right? You're trying to put that type of team together. You have the prospect capital. Finish this thing off. Go get an all-star left fielder, platoon Margot and Hayward in right field, and then go get Yamamoto. Bam. Now you have hit yeah. just an absolute airtight grand slam in your offseason. Yeah, and, and I would say that a lot of Dodgers fans are feeling a lot of ha- feeling really happy with the way this offseason is going. Still definitely some moves, as you alluded to to have going forward. And I think with a Rosa right now, obviously I think Dodgers and Dodgers fans and the organization would have liked to get a player of the caliber for Randy Rosarena. However, it takes the Rays willingness to be able to trade a guy like a Randy Rosarena in order for the Dodgers to be able to get him. So with the Rays, Obviously, they see the value in Randy Orozarena. They know that they are still a very good team. They won 99 games this past season. They want to still put together a competitive Mm -hmm. roster. They still want to put together a competitive team. Trading Tyler Glass now, trading Manuel Margot for them 
I don't believe hurts their chances as far as making the playoffs next season. I think they are still going to utilize the roster, utilize the depth that they have in that organization to get the best out of their players. And they're still going to be highly competitive. And so with trading Randy Rosarena, I don't even know if that entered into the minds of the Tampa Bay Rays. It might once he gets a little bit closer to free agency. And certainly there are some guys that the Dodgers could throw in there that could certainly entice the Tampa Bay Rays. But right now where they are at, they are still a highly competitive team. So if they are not interested in trading Randy Rosarena, Dodgers aren't going to get Randy Rosarena. So then they have to pivot as far as what they are planning to do with that. You could potentially look to try to see if there's anybody else on the trade market. I think for trading for a left fielder, I think Randy Rosarena would be that guy that would help elevate your team to the next level to where trading for a guy would be worth giving up a lot of the costs that it's going to take. Whereas perhaps now there might not be that left fielder that you would feel comfortable trading for. Perhaps you use some of your prospects to fortify some of the rotation a little bit, fortify maybe some other area and turn to the free agent market for an outfielder. There's a lot of different moving pieces that the Dodgers have right now. Certainly the offseason is not over. And right now the Dodgers are the new evil empire. Uh-huh. They're looking to build a super team. They're looking to help they are looking to help build a team that would be fit for a world baseball classic type team. The team that Shohei Otani saw and experienced as he was in the world baseball classic this past season uh, and just saw the incredible talent of what some type of super team and what that team can do. The Dodgers are trying to replicate some type of super team. And with the flexibility, Shohei Otani's contract, again, I reiterate that because that is so important with this and is going to determine what the Dodgers do during the duration of Shohei's contract, especially this early seasons, these early years. Uh, There is some added flexibility to help build this super team. Go do what you can to build the super team, and we'll see what happens. I think the first domino to fall is where does Yamamoto yeah, decide definitely. to sign with? Yeah. And I think if he signs with the Dodgers, I think that is an absolutely massive, massive win that greatly increases the Dodgers' chances and greatly goes to trying to fix the number one issue in the offseason, which is the necessity for a number one type starting pitcher. Do you like the trade overall? I'm giving my thoughts. Uh, for the Glasnow, uh, Glasnow, Margot, for Pepio and DeLuca, yeah. I would say... They, plus the I, extension. Un- yes, plus the, the extension, I think, makes it for the Dodgers end. Uh, I think you have more upside during the next couple of seasons, potentially with a Tyler Glasnow, just because he has proven in the past that he can be that number one type starting pitcher. For the pitching side... I, I'm fine with it. I understand the reasoning why the Dodgers are doing it. From the outfield side, though, I will always be a fan of Johnny DeLuca mm-hmm. over a guy like, like Emmanuel Marco. I've seen enough Johnny DeLuca here in Great Lakes. Could make my take a little bit biased, but I think if you look at the numbers that he has posted, obviously the numbers in the minor leagues don't always translate to the major leagues. Making that jump to the big leagues is very difficult. 
but he has been so incredibly talented and so incredibly effective in the minor leagues. And you just look at the story of a Johnny DeLuca drafted in the 25th round of 2019, somebody who a lot of prospects, guys who know about prospects probably never heard of Johnny DeLuca and was not on the radar for anybody but his hard work and his dedication towards his craft and his ability to be effective at every single level of the minor leagues put him on the map and they put him on a, in a position to where now he's going to be in the Tampa Bay Rays organization with a chance to win a starting position, uh, starting outfield position for the Tampa Bay Rays. So I think that is phenomenal i love the story and i love the skill set that he has i love the upside that one's going to sting a little bit but yeah. if tyler glass now can be that pitcher and that takes the ball game one game two during the postseason and if he they are able to keep him healthy and able to unlock and fix some of the issues that he's had in the postseason doesn't matter who you give up because that is something that the dodgers absolutely need so i understand it it's still a very high price to give up for a lot of these guys, but I'm super happy for Ryan Pepio and Johnny DeLuca. No doubt. No doubt. And you don't want to know that what part of, of Glassnow's postseason problems have been? What's that? The Dodgers in 2020. I mean, two of those starts came against the Dodgers, right? I mean, so a team that he's actually coming to. Plus, yeah. you're talking about an all-star team, a guy like that. So, if Tyler Glass now pitches like we think he's going to, right, and I think he will stay healthy because, like I said, I think the Dodgers will have a plan for him where – and I apologize. I, I've been ill and I'm, I'm trying my best to – I'm having to breathe and all that kind of stuff. So, if you hear me breathing a little bit more, I'm not dying or anything. I'm just I'm just doing my best here. But I think, I think the Dodgers are going to get the best out of Tyler Glass now because I think they're going to be able to pace him to keep him healthy. And – he was healthy last year, so maybe he's already over. We see guys get injured and get over that injury bug and then stay that way. So I think if he is on the field, I think the Dodgers, he has the type of mix, they're going to get the best out of him. If he becomes a number one starter, it doesn't matter what Manuel Margot does. It doesn't matter. That, this has been a successful yeah. trade, period, because that's what you needed was a number one starter. So, I mean, I'm with Matt on that. You got the number one starter. Nobody should complain about that. No doubt about that. Like I said, the only thing I would say is, it, it it did address one of your issues, but you still, in my opinion, you still haven't addressed your, your depth issue in your pitching staff. You haven't addressed your outfield, and you haven't addressed your plan for all of your – you can't just take Nick Frosso, Landon Knack, Gavin Stone, Michael Grove, Kyle Hurt, uh, Ben Kasper, you can't Ben Kasparis, you can't just take these guys, Austin, and just say, well, we're not going to give them a chance to have a major league career because – we might need a pitcher in June for two games, and then we'll send it back to Oklahoma City. You can't do that. I mean, you to to you can't do that to all these guys. What you've done to Michael Bush, I don't think. I mean, you can obviously you can, but I just that's not the Dodgers have not maximized Michael Bush. Would we agree with that? I mean, they they have yes. not figured out a way to maximize what his value actually can be to this organization, whether that be on the field or trading away for somebody else. They have not figured out a way to maximize Michael Bush. We agree? Yeah, 100%. So you can't make that same mistake with all these guys that like Nick Frosso that's hit over 100 a couple of times, River Ryan that's 
hitting 98. Ben Kasparius that's hitting 98. Kyle Hurt, who hit 99, who has the best slider changeup mix. You can't do that same thing to these guys that you did to Michael Bush because as an organization, you can't just waste that value, my opinion. Yeah, I think it comes down to what is more valuable for your organization. I think this is a question that the Dodgers are going to have to answer, and I think it's a question that they are going to have to determine as far as where the line actually is between the value of a lot of these pitchers being depth for your organization versus being able to maximize on the value, maximizing the potential, and actually having them be able to help your team, help your organization, whether that be coming up and be able to perform, giving them the appropriate runtime to do so because the Dodgers have enough talent to where we expect them to make the postseason almost regardless of how they perform. Uh, but you giving them that appropriate runtime or using them in some type of trade piece, some type of transaction for that i think there is a necessity and i think it would be one argument to say okay maybe pen Kasparius could use some time at triple a before he's ready to make that jump in the big leagues which shout out to ben for joining dodgers daily with great interview that you should go check out he did Uh, a great job oh he did a phenomenal job just an absolutely wonderful individual and really cool to see him kind of grow uh, and it, he's one of those guys that makes it tricky to look at the actual numbers in the minor leagues versus just actually being able to watch him pitch and knowing that he's working on a lot of stuff. All this to say is the Dodgers are going to have to make a determination as far as, okay, do these guys need to be able to work on stuff or are they just performing at a level to where they can make the big leagues? They should be in the big leagues but they aren't because the Dodgers don't have any sort of role for them. So I think that is the question that the Dodgers are going to have to determine, and they're going to have to determine it soon because these guys also are not getting any younger. Once you get Mm -hmm. to the 26, 27, 28, then you start losing some value, especially as you keep adding on innings on your arm as well, even if it is on the minor league level. So the Dodgers are going to have to make that determination. Okay, is this a guy who just needs to work on stuff that we're going to be continuing to work with him? Because I think the Dodgers have the best coaches in the minor leagues that can be able to help you grow and develop. So I think spending time in the minor leagues can be something that is a positive for a lot of these guys because they're they are surrounded by great minds great people that can help them reach their potential but it comes to a certain degree certain points to where they are just performing above and beyond at the minor leagues that you are holding them back you're holding them underwater and i think that's something that we saw with michael bush last season is something that we don't want to see because if you're just holding them underwater Mm -hmm. and hoping to bring them up for maybe two three games that's when you're not maximizing on the value. That's when you're not maximizing on the potential that each one of these guys have. And then that is the case where you have to go ahead and either play these guys or trade them. If they still need some work in the minor leagues, let them get the work that they need with the bench coaching yeah. staff. Let them increase their value because they are learning more about their craft. They're starting to show a lot of the individual results. But as soon as you are just holding them back because you might need them, I think that's when you have to make a determination as far as an organization, as far as what you're going to need 
for mm-hmm. depth and is that the best way to maximize the value or is it better to get somebody on some type of minor league deal to be able to call up and fill those innings as needed so uh i think that it's an individualized approach that the dodgers yeah. are going to have they're going to have to go to Good each point. one of these individual pitchers uh determine where they at just like they do with all the pitchers that they have they want to maximize the potential in the way that each one of these guys can grow and want best for each one of these guys and work with them as far as what works best for them. Uh, It's going to take an individualized approach and then an actual determination as far as the value of depth, as far as the pitching staff versus the value of getting an appropriate and proper return for your investment yep. for the minor league guys while also making sure because you care a lot about these guys, because you put a lot of time with these guys, making sure that they get the opportunity as well to succeed and that they do not peak in AAA Oklahoma City. Hey, Austin, we got Clint on the hold right here. So we're going to transition over to him if you don't mind. You mind? Yeah, doing absolutely. That? Yeah, I love yeah. you, brother, but... But uh, have a chance to talk to Clint Pasillas. He's going to be on here in just a second. So super pumped about that. So I'm going to go ahead, if, if you don't mind, I'm going to go ahead and, and if, uh, if you don't mind hopping off, I'm going to, I'm going to put Clint on the – then let me uh, get to my – hold on one second here. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, I will be in the – I will not leave you guys in the awesome. show. So if you have any questions for me, if you have any questions for Casey or Clint, we'll be happy to hear it. But, yeah, no, yep. I will continue – to be part of the comments section appreciate you casey thank you austin all right man and we're i'm going to read some comments as I, i've got i've got clint hopping on right now and as soon as he hops on we will click over to him and uh we'll, we'll get to him so wh- while we're waiting what i'm going to do is i'm actually going to read some of the comments over here one of them is is kyle hurt to the pin and that that's fine but when you have the type of stuff that kyle hurt has Starting pitchers are guys that need to face the lineup two or three times. He has the type of stuff, in my opinion, that could get through a lineup as he gets more comfortable, probably three times through a lineup because he's just that electric. It's going to take one time through the lineup for a team to adjust to his fastball because his fastball is just absolutely electric. And then also whenever he wants to start pitching backwards and incorporating his off-speed stuff. So I think Kyle Hurd is a starting pitcher at the major league level. Because I think he is one of the unique type of guys that has enough stuff to get through lineups multiple times. So I think it would be a little bit of an underusage to put a Kyle Hurt in the bullpen. I think a guy like Emmett Sheehan, who doesn't, I think his stuff is very explosive, but it's not necessarily the mix, the bag of the mix isn't like, like huge. You know, like, like for instance, Bobby Miller, I mean, he can throw a four-seam, a two-seam, a change-up, a curveball, and a slider. He can change the shapes of a slider. I mean, he's got a big old bag. That, that's a starter guy. I think maybe an Emmett Sheehan-type guy you could, you, who has a, you know that good, and I got a kick out of it because all the reporters kept saying he had a two-seam. He had to keep correcting them because his ball has so much what's called run to it, arm side run to it, ride and run, a lot of arm to run to the, to the arm side, and and so when you have that, and then uh, I said it from the very beginning, Emmett Sheehan's best pitch is a changeup, and they were trying to force his slider in his first outing. And it, finally in the second outing, they, they, they turned the changeup loose. He got comfortable with it, and you could tell. But the problem with the changeup, whenever you make that transition 
here's Clint right here. So, hey, we're going to get Clint here in just a second. Clint, I don't have your, there you go. There he is right there. So let me go ahead and click on over to Clint Pasillas and bring him in. I am super, super pumped about that. So here is Clint Pasillas. That actually says Ben Kasparius. So I need to change that. Let me get, uh, well, let's see. One second here, Clint. Let's see. Uh, Google Maps. How you doing, Clint? Right there. There it is. Okay. We are good to go right there. So, hey, Clint, super pumped that you, that I was so, so glad that you responded to my message and uh, we set this up. This is such a pleasure. I've watched so many of your live streams with DMAC and at Dodgers Nation and followed your work all the way back to Sports Illustrated and all that. So, hey, Clint, thank you so much for joining Dodgers Dogs on Dodgers, the Dodgers Daily Network tonight, brother. There we go. Sorry, I didn't have audio there for a second. But I think we're good. Okay, good, man. Hey, thanks for coming in, Clint. Yes, sir. I'm glad to be here. How are you doing tonight, Casey? I'm doing fantastic. Okay, so let's dive right into it. Sports Illustrated, Dodgers Nation. Now you have your own platform, which I've watched a couple of your shows. Another, hey, there's a billion Dodgers fans, and there's getting ready to be 700 trillion billion with Shohei Otani, right? Yeah. Okay, so there's plenty of room for all of us. So we all want great Dodgers content. We all have our different take on things, right? So another great Dodgers show, another great Dodgers platform. So take us through Sports Illustrated, Dodgers Nation, and what you're doing now. So, yeah, the uh, and I apologize. My voice is a little shot. I went out to the bar last night to celebrate. Uh, Got to celebrate <laughs> Otani Day with the boys. But, Absolutely. Um, super short version. Been in the podcast game for a long time. Me and a buddy just had fun, but way, way back in the day doing it. And uh, eventually, well, I got one more light I got to throw on here. Uh, eventually, um, we we brought our show to uh, to Dodgers Nation and kind of grew that into something different and you know, doing a podcast, doing video, doing live stream turned into me running the site, essentially. Then down the road comes uh, Sports Illustrated and managing their site. So as I'm doing all of that, we're worried. I'm worried more about the written content side of things. Uh, you know, the video, the podcast side, it was always there. I did my daily or my weekly show, but I kind of had to like step back and, and focus on the, the web side of things. So <laughs> as um as things uh, sort of changed there and, and now that I'm not with uh, the company anymore, I was like, look, I I want to do this more. I want to do video. I want to do talking. Uh, I, I really appreciate the, um, the passionate fan base that is on this damn YouTube app because uh, yeah. these are – I've always uh, argued with people – the YouTube fan base is the smartest, uh, is one of the best fan bases for – smart i'll just keep saying it everybody like me I'm, I'm telling you you're smart if you're here watching dodgers uh dodgers content on youtube but the the truth is they get it it's not you know it's not the facebook cesspool uh this is a sharp fan base and and you know i'm happy we're all here uh creating content even you know even my uh my buddy doug who's still on with dodgers nation and crushing it and doing his daily show there's room for everybody to have an opinion and and have some fun with it but there's your super short version. Uh, I'm back doing uh, what I like doing, which is is being in front of a camera, trying not to make too much of an ass out of myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're glad to have you back on the camera and talking Dodgers baseball and all your takes. They're fantastic. The access you have and 
just the experience you have as a Dodgers fan is wonderful. All right, let's jump right into it, Clint. The Shohei Otani signing. Talk about it, brother. You know, we've been conditioned. It feels like Dodgers fans have been conditioned for this move for the last at least year, probably two, maybe even three years. But you also have, uh, you know, that almost like Cinderella Cinderella feeling like uh, it's not going to happen. Prince Charming or Prince Otani is not going to come find us and put the the golden slipper on our foot. But it, it finally came together. Shohei Otani is an effing Dodger. And uh, he absolutely you, is. You know, you're really you're you're not going to be able to fully take it in until you see him taking swings, until you see him lumbering around at um, <clears throat> at Camelback Ranch, which I hope I was talking to uh, Tim Rogers yesterday. He's like, you know, you hope they don't overly um, restrict access at Camelback because it's one of the beautiful things about spring training is how close you get to players. But to see Shohei Otani, that statue of a man in his own right wearing dodger blue and hearing the crack of the bat there i think that's when it's really really gonna sink in but for now uh we just we just watch him go out and play gm and try to bring in some of these dudes that that uh we're seeing linked of course we already see tyler glass now i'm sure uh we'll talk more about the trade in a little bit Mm -hmm. the excitement of otani um it's it's uh Again, I blew up my voice to go celebrate Shohei Otani being a Dodger. It, you know, as, as much success as his team and his fan base and his organization has had, it's a win and it deserves to be celebrated. Okay, I'm gonna throw keep throwing fastballs at you, Clint. No, I'm ready. Yamamoto. I, I've said several times I love the glass now, getting glass now. I love the fact that Pepio and DeLuca now they have the runway that they deserve to mm-hmm. go have the major league baseball career that they have earned because they've earned it with with what they put in for the Dodgers. That's super exciting. They get that chance. Super exciting. The Dodgers get their number one starter with Tyler Glass now. I love I love a platoon of Margot and Hayward and right field. I think that's great. I still think the Dodgers need another one-ish, two-ish type pitcher, and I think they need an all-star type left fielder, which is why I wanted them to dump some prospects to go get a Rose Arena. So what are your thoughts on Yamamoto? I think this team needs to be all in on Yoshinobu yes. Yamamoto, and it sounds like they are. Uh, I think the latest things Heyman, Heyman dropped today, It's be- kind of sounds like it's between the Yankees and the Dodgers, and yes. it might be something where it's a situation where if, if uh, Yamamoto is okay playing alongside another Japanese superstar, I think they could find a way to come together on it. But, you know, Shohei's already doing his job. He's trying to push Yamamoto to join the team, and I, I think you can't – It's Sure, it's already been a successful offseason. You could have just signed Shohei and called it a day from there. But we're we're not looking just to win the offseason. Uh, you you need to quiet those those detractors and those voices that we hear in the back of our minds from the last three postseasons. What has the problem been? Two of the times it's been pitching. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of it is is well, I'll, we'll just say bad. I guess every time it's kind of been pitching and other problems hitting disappeared last year but Yamamoto just it needs to happen he needs to be a Dodger and and they need an ace they need a legitimate ace because you you also don't know how much you're going to get out of Walker Bueller Mm -hmm. um Shohei is not pitching Tyler Glasnow isn't exactly always a 30 30 kind of uh 30 start year kind of guy in fact he's never been that guy yeah so to get Yamamoto you're really telling the rest of the league that hey I mean business we the Dodgers absolutely mean business are you comfortable with chris taylor and left james outman 
and right, and then your platoon with Margot and Hayward, or, or James Alvin in center, and Margot and Hayward a platoon and right. Is that good enough? No. <laughs> I mean, if, we, if we're able to, uh, to kind of ensure that it's maybe uh, 2017, 2018 Chris Taylor, I yeah. think it's, you're in a really good spot, but we haven't seen that guy in, in quite some time. Even, you know, 2021 Taylor, uh, who was an all-star, would be really good. But I, I, I just don't feel exceptionally comfortable with the fall-off that kind yeah. of happened. Even with, with Hayward, is, is Hayward enough? Is was that uh, was that year? I'll, I'll go to Cinderella again. Is the clock going to strike midnight on Hayward and and that uh, comeback <clears throat> year he had last year? So it's not enough. Uh, I was really really uh, crossing as many digits and fingers and things that I ha- had to try to make uh, Will Randy or Rosarena to happen in yeah. that deal. But um, is can it work? Sure. But the fall off after Muncie, you are a little bit concerned in that lineup. No doubt. Would you trust a Miguel Vargas or a Michael Bush in left field? Or if you uh, move Mookie Betts to the outfield, would you trust either one of them at second base? Is that? I mean, this that, is an all-star team. It's hard yeah. to put a, a guy like that in the lineup next to Shohei Otani when you're trying to build an all-star team, right? Yeah, no, that that's 100% a fact there. You know, you do wonder they maybe they leaned in or they went a little too hard in the paint on saying, uh, you know, Mookie Betts is going to be the starting second yeah. baseman or mostly playing second base. You know, you kind of back yourself into a corner. However, you know, there are very few 40 homer uh, second baseman or 35 homer second baseman out there. So that is gives you that opportunity to find somebody in the outfield. Uh, it, there's a lot of good problems to have. I think, uh, you know, Miguel Vargas at second base was was kind of a, a surprise at how well he adapted to, to the position. But obviously the bat wasn't there. And I to have. To have him in left to learn another position again and try to figure out if the bat plays. Um, we still, you know, as much as we've seen out of Michael Bush with the bat in in Triple uh, A, it hasn't necessarily translated at the MLB level. Not that he's had an abundance of time, right. but to have uh, to have your best left field option right now either be yeah moving Jason Hayward and 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 Manuel Margot over to left field and putting Mookie Betts back out and right. Or having it be Chris Taylor, I, I, I really hope they're not done there yet. Because the problem you have is Muncie's not very good defensively at third base, and then you have Lux and Betts up the middle who have never played either one of those positions at a consistent level at the major league level. So here you are with this All Star team, and your outfield's not real good, really. I mean, and then your infield has a whole bunch of like, huh? Well, we'll see. It just kind of seems that that would be kind of a weird position to be in to me. Yeah, and, and I know, Casey, you're somebody who's watched a lot of baseball over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to know your concern level about plugging Gavin Lux right in at shortstop, you know, expecting a kid coming off of a major knee injury and yeah. the athleticism you need at that position. Is is that something this team should be concerned about um, going going into 2024? 100%, no doubt about it. And when I was on with DMAC, he asked me about Bobby Miller. This was before the playoffs. I said, hey, I can tell you what I think. I mean, he's very emotional. He gets pissed every time he makes a mistake, and that's only going to get amplified in the playoffs. Every time he makes a mistake in the playoffs, he's going to get even more pissed than he normally does. So, no, I mean, hey, if somebody's going to tell you they know how Bobby Miller's going to react to a playoff setting, they're lying because nobody knows how he's going to react to that. He's He's liable to get that positive emotion and just kick ass and be the most unhittable human being on earth, or he's liable to get pissed and then get emotional and, give up five runs and everybody's mad. So I say that to say I saw Gavin Lux a lot at Tulsa. 
I saw him a lot at Oklahoma City. I can tell you Scott Hennessy would swear on the Bible by him at shortstop. I can tell you Travis Barbary would swear on the Bible to Gavin Lux, the AAA manager at shortstop. He was the best shortstop prospect coming out of 2019. Hmm. And as Tim Rogers always said, if you would have turned over the shortstop spot to him in 2020, Dodgers fans would have been super pumped about Gavin Lux, this big prospect. The problem yeah. is they saw him at second base, and I've actually talked to Gavin about this. When you're trying to change positions at the major league level, it is harder than what people think. He oh, lost yeah. confidence. He wasn't comfortable. It's different footwork. So Dodgers fans' ideas of his defense is a little bit underrated to what he actually is. Having said that, I've never seen him play major league shortstop. I don't know what he's going to be like coming off the ACL. So absolutely, it is 100% a concern, which is kind of what I'm talking about. If you don't shore up your outfield, you have questions in the outfield. Now you have questions at shortstop, second base with Mookie's never played. Max Muncy's already not a very good third. So where yeah. I think it's great for the Dodgers is that they have Miggy Rowe to kind of help ease that. Hey, if, if you're struggling up the middle defensively, throw Miggy Rowe at second base, throw him at shortstop, put Mookie Betts back in the outfield, and let's do that for five or six games, right? And let's just kind of go on a four-and-one streak and let's calm things down. So I think if you're ever going to incorporate Gavin Lux at shortstop, the Dodgers have set it up perfectly to do that because mm -hmm. you have Miggy Rowe to help him ease into that. Then if you have to, at the trade deadline, you just go get a defensive guy and you say forget it, right? Yeah, I mean, hell, we, we can go back to looking at uh, the 4 Red Sox when they went and made that trade to get themselves a defense for a shortstop, and it worked out for them. So you have you have time. I mean, this team, this Dodgers team, this roster can run out. We know they can run out just about anybody and find a way to win 90 to 100 games, but we're talking about having the best roster possible to, yeah. to actually win in advance in the postseason, and that's something that's been missing the last few years. So there's definitely, like, it was – you know, asking you to button up my side of it. There's a lot of concern with Lux. Uh, I got a yeah. chance to talk to Lux at uh, Camelback just a few days before the knee injury. And, and you know, we fans saw the hype that was surrounding the kid in that offseason. He spent the whole offseason at, at Dodger Stadium. He's yeah. working out. He got swolled up. And he and um, and he was he was pissed at himself for hitting only six home runs from the year before. So he's like, like that's a that's a load of BS. You know, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to crank some some bombs. Uh, but now, you know, you have this concern. It's going to you hope it doesn't limit him uh, on on base running. But you also really got to hope it doesn't limit him uh, laterally. Yep, no doubt about it. OK, so right now, as it speaks, if the Dodgers don't do anything else, compare this offseason to some of the offseasons you could compare in the past or remember in the past. And then if the Dodgers do go get, an, say, an all-star outfielder and Yamamoto, compare that that offseason. So kind of take it in layers. And where does this offseason rank? I mean, anytime, I think you you have to say, anytime you're able to sign Shohei Otani, it's the, the best offseason in, in history, in the history of the organization, or at least of the last uh, 10, 15 years. No doubt the excitement that came with uh, Mookie Betts back in 20. That was that was a fun. That was an exciting time. But I feel really uh, I feel like I'm not wrong in saying to sign Shohei Otani. This is the best offseason. And and knowing that they're not done, knowing that, yeah, there's there's a, already also a Glasnow trade uh, that's you know on, on the five yard line. It's about to be done. It sounds like this is a really, really damn good offseason. And it's not even Christmas. Hell of a lot better than last year. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. With all due respect to people like Shelby Miller and, uh, and no, Jason Hayward. No disrespect. 
Hey, and Ryan Brazier was great. I know he wasn't the offseason. He was a great acquisition, but it's not Shohei Otani, right? Or Tyler Glass now. It is not. It is neither of those fellas. Not even Manuel Margot when you're talking about Scrap Heat Brazier at the time who turned into something great. And he's probably going to go get himself like a Chris Martin contract somewhere. I'd love to see yeah. him back, but got to secure that bag one last time while you can. Yeah. No offense to David Peralta either. <laughs> okay, your overall thoughts on David Roberts. I I defend the guy. I think I think that a lot of his hands are tied since I think that they sit around the war room. I I think that they discuss starting lineups. I think they discuss matchups. I think they discuss this and that. Now, once the game starts, I think it's all up to Dave. But I think a lot of the, the analytics have already been taken care of by all the super brains and the Dodgers, and they have the best minds in baseball. There's no doubt about that. But what are your thoughts on Dave Roberts? I know Dave Roberts is a it's that's a that's a flammable topic here on just on the internet in general. Uh, the yeah. fact he's able to to keep a smile on his face the way he does is uh, you know I applaud the man. I love Dave Roberts. He's he's just a great human being for one. Yes. I don't I don't know how many people would be able to manage through just the, the the various rosters this guy has had, the turmoil this team has faced, whether it's Urias last year or, or Bauer a couple of years ago or having Yasiel Puig and Matt Camp on the same roster in 2018 and, and still keeping a smile on his face, still keeping the team moving along and playing really good baseball. Uh, um, over the last few years, he's he's improved his, his in-game decisions, uh, leaps and bounds, you know, since 19, which was – probably his worst uh postseason as a manager you know we get they got they got a lot of luck on their side in 20 to go and, and win that that world series but you look at the 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 issues that happened in 21 that that's not really on him you know the pitching fell apart maybe you could argue the max scherzer you know saving game five of the nlds maybe that's on him a little bit max you know making scherzer push him into it but the issues of, of, of recent vintage have not been on Dave. I think he's done a great job in keeping the, these, these people, these, these, uh, you know, sports divas all yeah. bought in and, and also understanding when he needs to step in and when he needs to step back. You know, I thought it was going to be really tough, like a lot harder for him without Justin Turner in that locker room. Yeah. Cause that yeah. was his number one general, but everybody picked up the slack. So that culture was just so good there that Dave, didn't really need to do too much. And, you know, that's, that's understanding your role as a leader and as a manager, when you need to step in and when, when you need to step back and let them handle it. And <clears throat> I love Dave. And I think uh, I've, I've defended him for years saying he's the right guy for the job. And if he's not, tell me who is better. Right. It's not Mike Sosha. It's, it's not the ghost of Tommy Lasorda. It's, yeah, it's Sosha would be too it. abrasive for the egos that you have. Yeah. And it's, it's not even like a Joe Madden right now. That's maybe, right a little too lax for for a club like this and the expectations that come along with being uh the los angeles dodgers it, it's dave roberts team and and he's the right man for this job i couldn't agree more i i've said that so many different times and it, it pisses people off every time i say it it seems like that's fine with me i will say though that i'm still pissed about him taking tyler anderson out and by the way i tweeted about that before he took him out this isn't hindsight I said, don't take his ass out. I know analytics that say to take him out. Don't do it. Let him roll. That's one where you really do wonder if it was. Yeah, I, I know he said it was his decision, but you wonder if there was there was something that was uh, on a sheet of paper that said this is this is the game plan. Yeah. This is what we're gonna do. And you understand that? I mean, that's where it gets it gets really difficult um, yes. when when you're talking about arguing. Uh, you know, 
for or against this team or for or against management because how can you say this team can go out and win 100 games every year, but then whatever they're doing is suddenly just so very wrong when it turns to October. But also yeah. at the same time, something is clearly very wrong whenever they turn to October, and it's not always injuries. Maybe there is something mentality-wise, but uh, I don't know how much of that is on Dave. I think it's that you've been shopping at the at the five and dime store for your your pitching, right? Okay, I mean, go out next year. You're gonna have to show you, Tony. Go get a Yamamoto. You got a Tyler Glass. I have been bitching, and I said it even before the trade deadline. You got to go get a number one starter, and there is nobody that loves these prospects more than I do. That you know, Clint. There's nobody that believes in a Ryan Pepio and an image. Yeah, I love these guys. I believe in these guys. I will go to bat for the. They'll tell you, I'll, I'll have their back till the, the cows come home, right? I still was bitching and moaning that the Dodgers had to get a number one starter. Yeah. It turned yeah. out to be that way. And so, you know, I think that's been the issue. They they addressed that with Tyler Glass now. So, you get Glass now, you get Shohei Otani. Even as it sits right now, is it World Series championship or is this a failure? Are we to that point? We'll, we'll, we'll play as if they're not going to do anything else, which we know they're not going to do, or, or they're, they're not done. We know that much. But at this point, they've they've tried to act like it's not World Series or, or bust or, you know, it's a failure. But in hearing Shohei and hearing the interview yesterday <laughs> at Dodger right. Stadium where, you know, through the through, you know, Ipe says uh, – the reason he signed here, the thing he liked is that they shared the same vision about winning and 10 years and one title isn't good enough. 10 years and one title in a short season, mind you, is a failure. Um, if they don't, if they don't make the world series this year, it's an absolute failure. But if they're not finally getting that parade, uh, you know, next November, I, I don't see how you can't really label it a failure. You went out and signed the best player uh, available possibly best free agent of all time. You, you got a frontline type of dude. You're getting Walker Bueller back. You're going to, you should be in a good spot there. There should not be any excuses. I would totally 100% totally agree with that. And it's kind of funny. We've been saying, I think Clint, if you watch both of our shows, we're very fair. Hey, when, when there's something wrong, you got to address it. You can't just say everything's great when things yeah. aren't right. And it just, it's kind of vindicating, now, we try to be fair with, hey, here's why it happened. You know, if there's a negative, I think you got to put the context into it, and here's what they're trying to do to fix it and all that, because the last thing that anybody wants is for things not to work. But I thought it was very vindicating that, you know, guys like us, we have said, hey, it is a failure that the Dodgers aren't winning more world championships, and that's not a negative comment to make because that was echoed by the ownership. Yeah, that's we're not saying anything wrong. We're not saying anything bad. And trust me, I've said enough over the years. I've I've heard enough from players and and I've gotten in trouble about some things that have been said. But, you know, I like you're saying, I try not to come from a, from a space of, you know, being a, an unreasonable fan. It's you know what you you need to see on a field to win. And yeah, is this a perfect roster right now? Absolutely not. Uh, right. Like the Margot edition. I am I am very not high on it. I'm trying to talk myself into it. Yeah, he hits well versus left-handed pitching. Um, but and away from Tampa Bay. And away from Tampa Bay, but you'd still like to see uh, maybe another splashy addition somewhere. If it's not left field, it's at third base because I've the entire uh, last calendar year, I've been very very sour on on the Max Muncie experience at third base and I love Max. He he is a he is a great dude. 
many conversations uh, I've had, you know, either with him or around him and all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, it, it's, it's just, you would like to see an improvement there. As they say, defense wins championships. And that's a, that's a massive concern with me over there at three B. So I'm, I'm hoping he's really, really uh, grinding this off season and trying to figure it out, but there, there are holes, but it's still championship or bust to me. I say this all the time, but when he first came to Oklahoma city, Clint, and I had seen him at Baylor. Okay. Because Baylor was in the big 12. I saw him come to Stillwater and I saw him hit like 11 home runs against OSU while he was at Baylor. And then I got to see him actually at the Bricktown Ballpark, the AAA facility for the Dodgers in the Big 12 championship. And so I knew who he was. So when the Dodgers picked him, I thought, oh, good. We got Max Muncy. This dude can rake, right? Mm -hmm. Well, he was at first base at the time, and he was the worst defensive. I mean, it was like, oh, my God, this guy's – and this – I mean, yeah, he can hit, but what the hell do you do? And then all of a sudden you look at – so, I, man, it, it amazes me to see how good he is defensively right now because I'm telling you, man, he has come a long – ways on defense so hey let's change tunes here Clayton Kershaw is he going to come back so I have not listened to the Vasse interview yet I've I've seen some interesting takes from it um my my gut before any of this before the surgery I I just I don't think Clayton Kershaw can can envision himself not being in a Dodger yeah. uniform and at the same time ending his Dodger uh, career with that start. So I, I hope he doesn't sign now. I hope he gives himself some time, maybe, you know, do that Roger Clemens style sign in may give yourself yeah. some time to get healthy, but Clayton Kershaw will be a Dodger by, by the time he's able to pitch again. Here's what, here's what I, here's what I think could happen and see what you think about this. Okay. So you're talking about Tony Gonsolin and Dustin may, they can't be put on the 60 man or the 60 day IL until spring training which once they do that, that clears up two more spots on your 40-man, right? Yeah. So you wait to sign Clayton Kershaw till spring training. Then you go get Brandon Woodruff when you've cleared that spot. That would be sweet, wouldn't it? Now, look, now we're thinking outside the bun here. Are you are you working in the front office or what? That sounds very <laughs> I mean, much. I mean, saying, the, hey, Woodruff is a guy that you want to take a chance on, but you just don't have the 40-man spot for it. I think that's how you get him on the 40-man. And, and we've seen this team do that in recent years. We saw the Tommy Canley uh, yeah. multiple times with Danny Duffy. Uh, this is this team loves doing that, finding some people that are either injured or or just lost their way a little bit. I'll, I'll say now, I fully, I can't, I can't see uh, a spring training. I can't see a vision of spring training without Lucas Giolito ending up a Dodger. It just, it screams like it, that it needs to happen. It's going to happen, um, but. Uh, I don't know. I lost my train of thought there. I just wanted to squeeze yeah. in the Giolito talk. Yeah. I think it can happen. <laughs> hey, I'll sound smart. I'll be able to put this clip out there if, uh, if and when it does happen. But Absolutely. Um, yeah, they love the, the, I don't know if it's a diamond in the rough sort of thing, but it is, it is finding, finding some, some lost uh, treasure and, and polishing it up and, and turning it into a Ryan Brazier. <laughs> no, well, yeah. Or Chris Martin or even an Evan Phillips. I think the Dodgers got Evan Phillips off of the waiver wire from, what was it Miami? I mean, they've, they've oh, done Tampa, it. Yeah. It yeah. Tampa, Tampa, yeah. I, can't, I always get that wrong. I, I get it wrong. Every, I say the Orioles every time, and I, there are people correct me. I'm like, I can't remember who it is anyway, so it doesn't matter. I'm going to get it wrong. So, hey, let's answer some fan questions. Man. Okay, first of all, give us your gut. Oh, we've already given that. Okay, so uh, let's see. All right, let's answer some more here. Okay, are, are you in on Mookie Betts being the everyday second baseman? 
I mean, we know he's getting older. We know he's slowing down. We know he he enjoys the position. I'm in on him being the everyday second baseman if they find a way to improve in the outfield. I mean, either way, I think I'm in on it. it, it it's fun, and if he's having fun, uh, maybe he'll bowl a little bit less. To to borrow from from the uh, the people the the haters online who love to bring that up. It was fun. Well, I can't have fun, right? Yeah, he's a good second baseman. I think it made him – I think it really kept him engaged. I just – what I want to see for Mookie Betts is him play 140 games, save some save some battery for, for October because he might be running out of juice. And we saw that uh, in September where he couldn't even get over the hump to get that 40th home run. He might just – he's a little dude, you know. Give, give him more days off. I think he's earned it. You'll be fine. You don't need to win 110 yeah. games. I think that the box is smaller to move around in at second base too. You have a big old, I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of that territory out there in the outfield and you're diving and you're chain. I think second base gives them the smaller box. I think that makes it easier for him to, to run around there too. Okay. So is there anybody in the Dodgers organization? Here's a question here. Is there anybody in the Dodgers organization other prospect wise, other than Bobby Miller, that is untouchable right now? You think if the, if the right left fielder came along, I, I I feel like to this organization right now, and uh, you know, like Diego Cartaya's lost that that sheen. You know, he had the big mm-hmm. drop off. I think the only guy might be Dalton rushing aside from uh, you know a Bobby Miller type. I think everybody is on the table uh, in the right moves. If they were able to go out and get Willie Adamas and Corbin Burns, also, I think they would send some dudes in the, in the uh, the mm-hmm. right situation for yeah. sure. Yeah, I always tell guys, I always tell people too. And one of the reasons why I don't like to do prospects list is because you have no clue what type of player a guy is going to be till he hits double A. I'm just correct. telling you, man, that jump from high A to double A, it makes it makes men out of boys, or <laughs> it makes them go do something else because that jump is. So I mean, if I were to do a prospects list, I wouldn't even include anybody below double A just for the simple fact that you just don't know, man. I mean, those guys. I tell people all the time, double-A players are major league players that just need an opportunity. We've seen yep. that with Emmett Sheehan. We've seen it with Michael Grove. You know, the hell, the Royals brought Bobby Witt. They brought their catcher. I can't – I mean, you know, so I was just curious what your thoughts on are, were on, on, the, uh, on the untouchable guys. Okay, so let's get into some more of these. Austin Brubaker says trading for a second baseman is definitely an option. Yeah, okay. Roberts is the best regular season manager ever. He's not very good in high-pressure decision-now situations. Would you agree with that? I think he's improved a whole lot. We we still have, you know, the first impression is your best impression or whatever. We still have 18 in the back of our minds in Rich Hill. We still have 19 in Clayton Kershaw going and pitching uh, in relief for some ungodly reason in NLDS. Dave's gotten he, – he's improved a lot over the years. Just to give yep. him some love. No doubt about that. Okay. Let's go on to some more here. Okay. Let's get into a couple more questions, Clint. I know we, I've had you on for quite a bit of time here, and, and I know your time is very, very, very valuable. Okay. So, uh, no more five and dime shopping for pitching. Is that Please. annoying to you? Please. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's interesting to see the diamonds in the rough, and uh, I mean, yeah. I've used that terminology a few times. It's interesting to see them find some some dudes off the scrap heap to build a team and to build a roster and to fix broken parts, like fix the bullpen like they had to last year with a few of those moves. That's where you start to get a little bit, uh, a little bit more ticked off at, come on, you, you guys allegedly print money and this is what you're doing to, to, to fix the bullpen. Meanwhile, 
Kyle Hurt is just sitting down there throwing throwing gas, and and you're you know you're being too soft to bring him up and give him an opportunity. Yeah. So if 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 they are just adding to to the roster, I, I love it. But if you're fixing it, no, let's know for me. I am going the last question here for Clint, and then we're going to get off here. It is nine twenty eight. We go till nine thirty every Sunday night, and then every Wednesday night. And well, it's nine thirty my time. It's seven thirty Pacific. And then every Friday night, Clint, thank you so much for joining. This has been, I've watched you so many times, never had a chance actually to talk to you. This is such a pleasure for me. I am going to throw an absolute gigantic fastball at you. This is one that, that you'll probably laugh at and giggle whenever you hear it. Okay. You got it ready. I'm ready. Okay. Is there any situation on earth ever that the Dodgers would DFA Austin Barnes? (laughs) I told you exactly how you'd respond. I nailed that, by the way. <laughs> uh, uh, Barnsey, I mean, I can't envision a world without Austin Barnes yeah. on this roster. He's going to be the backup catcher until he's like 75, man. That's just – this is Barnes' team, uh, and he's going to go out there and just just be his angry little self and, and you know, own that 26 man uh, – 26 spot on the roster from here to eternity. No doubt about that. And hopefully – Either him or Justin Turner is the next Dodgers manager whenever Dave does move on, right? Oh, I got my money on on JT all the way. Yeah, no doubt about it. Love, yeah. love, uh, I love Bob Guerin. I love Danny Lehman. But JT in that dugout would be fun. Hey, Clint, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for this. Hopefully this isn't the last time that we talked. This has been a, a wonderful pleasure for me. I'm getting to know all the West Coast guys a little bit more. I'm more connected with, with the minor league part of it. So if you ever need anything from a minor league perspective – you know, I tend to give a little bit more of my opinions in private messages than I do, you know, on, on public form. And I give a lot more opinions on YouTube than I do like Twitter mm-hmm. for the simple fact that I can actually explain it and give the right context. If you put it in writing, it's like, oh, shit, it doesn't come out right. You know, I mean, you've done yeah, right. no, I feel that. No, Casey, I appreciate the, the time and the opportunity as well. You know, like I was messaging you before, I, I really uh, I'm looking forward to the idea to or the opportunity to to kind of uh, cross pollinate all across YouTube with yeah. our Dodgers content because uh, let's build a community and let's have fun and, and do what people want to see. That's what I'm really looking forward to doing. We want to thank everybody for tuning in as we always do and say go Dodgers. Let's go, Blue.